Yeah. I'm loud anyway. It's good to be in church. Uh, nothing blesses me more than people that come to church on Sunday night. Uh, you have a lot of guests and things of that sort on Sunday morning. You have a lot of people that either get drugged to church like I did when I was younger or people that uh, don't intend on usually being there. But Sunday night crowd has always been my favorite crowd because you really had a choice to come tonight and whether it be to listen to me rave and rant about my Jesus for a little bit or, you know, whatever that be. Uh, before I pray and go into my sermon, a lot of you don't know me. And um, my name's Clay, uh, as Josh mentioned. And uh, I started coming here, let's say, seven, eight months ago, maybe longer. I don't know. And uh, I'm here with my wife-to-be, Caitlin. And she... Uh, She's been a blessing on my life as we uh, travel together down the straight and narrow and plan on getting married soon, and that's a blessing. And well, some people says it's a blessing before they get married, and then afterwards they say other things. But uh, it's okay to be happy in church. I've learned that. Uh, I know a lot of people's tired. Everybody seems wore out. I won't keep you long, but I'd like to share my testimony with you a little bit. You know, I grew up in... Uh, some would say a rough environment in my life. I didn't have a lot of family that uh, really brought me to church. Uh, my cousin who's here tonight, he's always been a blessing to me. He actually took, took me to church a lot, whether I wanted to go or not. And uh, That's been a real blessing on my life, and it's uh, helped me become the man I am today. And You know, as I traveled through life, I had many, you know, bumps and turns, and uh, God landed me in a Christian school, and I went there for a while and uh, met a lot of new people, a lot of friends, and God, uh, you know, planted a seed inside of me that was so great that he, he had called me to the ministry and called me to preach. And I thank God for that because I believe that's one of the most highest callings and uh, that someone could have on their life is to be a minister and to be able to, you know, tell someone about Christ. And I enjoy uh, everybody here has always been very welcome and open arm to us, and I appreciate that. I I thank you all. It's it's easier to go to a church where, you know, people just love on you and show compassion. And uh, I appreciate Josh as, as a pastor because he shows a lot of compassion without compromising. And I, I enjoy that. And I enjoy that as, as, a, as a man of God and to another man of God. But uh, that's pretty much it. I, I hope I can get to know you even more. Uh, but uh, if you will, just with me, let's pray again and I'll continue my sermon. Lord, we love you tonight, and Father, we thank you for loving us, Lord. And we thank you for everything you did for us, Lord. We thank you for the blessings, Father, and we, we praise you through every storm, Lord. We, we ask you that you will be with us tonight, Lord, that you will give me a word to preach, Father, that, that it will come from you and not me, Lord. And, and Josh said today that it, it's not to impress, Lord, but it's, it's to profess your name, Father. And I, I ask you that you'll let me do that, Lord, and I, I thank you for... For, for what you've given me and the opportunities that you've given me in life to preach your word. But above everything else, Lord, I thank you for sending your son to die for us on Calvary, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've did, Lord. I ask you that you will bless us and be with us tonight, Lord, as we continue on to our lives and, and try to be a better light in this world, Father, and in this city, Lord. And this city needs us, Father. And I ask you that you will be with us and watch over us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew like we have uh, the last couple of Sunday nights. We're, we've been uh, talking about the Beatitudes. And 
And um, I'll be honest with you, I, I've looked scanned over the Beatitudes, and uh, I really have never touched in depth with them. I've never really uh, looked in, in deep in the Beatitudes. I really didn't even know what, a, what the definition of Beatitudes was. I really uh, had no clue until I actually started studying it. And the Beatitudes are amazing. They are just amazing Word of God. They're I encourage everyone, even after that this sermon series is over, that you would, you know, that you would go in depth with it yourself in your own personal time. But uh, chapter five in Matthew, verse 10, the Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we come to the end of the Beatitude series, uh, we've heard many great sermons on this. Uh, Jake preached an awesome sermon a couple Sunday nights ago, and and Marcus preached uh, last Sunday night, and, and it was really good. And as I asked myself what a beatitude actually was, the definition I came up with was the qualities and characteristics being developed in our lives, making us to be like Jesus. And that really touched home with me because as we read these, it, it, it says, they most of them says blessed are the or blessed are they, and in my mind I was wondering, well, who are they talking about? Now, in a sense, they're talking about the believer, what the believer has to do, what characteristics he needs to be like Christ. And as I I read through all the beatitudes and I get to the end, I realized that 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 it's also talking about Christ. That the that the the that the Beatitudes are actually a description of how we should be Christ-like, how we should model ourselves uh, after Christ and, uh, you know, live like Him. Now, I ask myself, what, is, what does Jesus mean here? What does He mean whenever He is telling us, of, you know, to do these things? What is He saying when blessed are they who are persecuted? You know, at times in our life we, we try to, you know, realize how could we be blessed and still still be blessed during persecution. Persecution is a hard, hard subject to talk about in church. It is. We want to talk about the glory and not the gloom. We never want to bring glory to sin. We never want to bring glory to the heartaches, the, the hardships in life. We want, to, we want to always talk about the good things that are happening. Isaac got up here and was talking about FCA and how a blessing it was, and, and that's awesome, but but what Isaac could probably tell you also is the, the persecution he goes through in school when he's trying to stand up for God. You know, many times in my life I, I've thought, and I'll be honest with you, before I started coming to church here, I've always lived in Fairdale for most of my life, and I, and I told myself I never, I, I just want to leave this city. I said it's too bad that, that I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to live here anymore. I, 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 would, I don't want to raise my family here. These are the things I said. But as I've grown, and as I've grown in Christ, I realize that a city like Fairdale needs people like us. And as, as I went to Fairdale High School for two years, I realized there's so much persecution there. And there's so many, so many other, you know, whether, whether it be kids wanting to laugh at you and poke fun of you because you proclaim the name of Jesus. And everybody wants to, you know, put you in a separate group of people. And I realized that it's okay to be separate. It's okay to be different. Christ said we're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. We're different. We're a different type of people. And that's okay. I remember one time I was at a basketball game, and it was actually the last game in the, 
and the Freedom Hall when Louisville played Kentucky. And towards the end of the game, I had a, I don't know if I just had carried them from a church service, but I had a pocket full of tracks. And the whole time I was trying to think of a way I could pass out these tracks at this game to get people to know, you know, Christ. And I said, Lord, just give me the opportunity. Well, I don't know if you, a lot of you remember this, but at the end of that game, Edgar Sosa had the ball at half court and the game was tied, I believe, or we might have been down one or two. And at the end of the game, Edgar Sosa comes down and he, he shoots a three from half court and he hits it. Ball goes in. Well, everyone jumps up and is going crazy. You know, we're sitting here in Freedom Hall. We just hit a game winner against Kentucky. I mean, it was awesome. I know some of you probably disagree, but it was it was great. So everybody jumps up, and as I jump up, I pulled my hands out of my pocket, and I had a handful of tracks, and I don't know why, but I just launched them in the air. And these tracks just start scattering down on everybody. Well, I noticed something. Even though the whole event that was going on, even though everyone was cheering, there was a couple people that grabbed them tracks and started looking at them. Now, you say... You know, Brother Clay, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if I could do that. But it was just me trying to be a follower. It was me trying to be different. You know, the whole time we, we tried to think, uh, you know, how, how can I live the easiest Christian life? But I'm here to tell you tonight that the Christian life is not easy. There's going to be a lot of hard things that come in your life. There's going to be a lot of persecution as we see here. But we can make it because we have hope. You know, I was thinking the other day, and I don't know if I'm too young to think about this, but I was trying to think of some things that could be on my bucket list. And I know everybody usually has some things they want to do, and before they, you know, pass on to, the, to heaven or wherever they may go. My mouth gets dry when I'm nervous, but every time I take a drink, that's five more minutes of preaching for me, so y'all bear with me. Yeah. But I have a bucket list, and I was thinking of things that I would want to do, and I'm not really a adrenaline junkie, as you may say. I'm not really someone that goes crazy, and, you know, roller coasters about all I can do. My uh, fiance, she wants to go skydiving. That's on her bucket list. But I was thinking of some things, some people... Uh, want to do and I was thinking man I, I I don't know why this popped in my head but I was I was thinking man I want to fight a bear I would love to just fist fight a bear that was my mindset I want to go in the woods and fight, fight a bear well I had to put that at the bottom of my bucket list because that might have been the last thing I ever did so <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here tonight is we don't really put persecution on our bucket list we don't wake up every day and thank God bring persecution upon me God, that's what I want to do with my life is to be persecuted. We don't really think that. But persecution is going to come. We're not looking for it. We don't aim for it, but we know it's coming. In Matthew 10, 20, the Bible says, You will be hated for my name's sake. That's Christ speaking. He said we're going to be hated. You say, I don't want, I don't want people to hate me. I don't want people to dislike me. I want to fit in. Fitting in on earth will only get you so far. But we have treasures in heaven, the Bible says. There's going to be things that we have in heaven that, that won't amount, that things on earth won't amount nothing to. The Bible says that, that, that the, the street pavement, pavement there is gold. 
We're going to be walking on gold, something people value here so much. It means nothing. I thank God that he's, he's, he brings blessings upon our life that we can, we can take past this life. And, and that we don't have to worry about persecution forever. That we know one day that, that when Christ comes back, that, that we'll be with him. And that's the greatest reward ever. That's better than any amount of money. That's better than any car, or any, any uh, nice clothes or nice jewelry. And we know that there's hope. No matter how much persecution comes, there's hope. Now, my second point tonight is there's blessings in persecution. Now, I mentioned that a little bit, about how could we be blessed during persecution. But you have to think about two things. First off, we have to think about what we have coming. We have to think about what we have coming in life and, and, and what's going to happen whenever we're persecuted. Now, I don't know about you, but... I hate running. I don't know why people enjoy running. Brother Josh enjoys running. He said his wife can run faster than anybody he knows. I don't know why people like running for for fun. I'd rather sit on the side, sip Starbucks, and eat a brownie while everybody else is running. I would. I don't like running. But I've noticed something whenever it comes to a marathon. And I've watched people run a marathon. and And you ever notice whenever they get about halfway... You will never, ever, ever see someone smiling. I've never seen someone running in a marathon get to about that 10-mile point and just be, I mean, just smiling ear to ear. No. They always have this, this face of, uh, of, of tiredness and, and distraught, and they're just, so, they're just so ready to get it over with. And you wonder, why would that person be so miserable? But it's because they know what's coming at the end. They know at the end of the race, no matter what, if they finish, that is their reward. I can tell you something tonight, church, that it's hard times are going to come. You're going you're gonna to have fights with your wife. You're going to have fights with your friends. You're going uh, to sin. You're going to do things that are wrong, but, but there's a finish line. There's something at the end. And I thank God for that. I thank God that I'm not living this life, that, that I'm not going through all of these things for nothing. I thank God that, that one day when, when I meet him, that it'll all be worth it. I can say it's worth it. I know what we have coming. My second, second sub-point is think about the company you're keeping. You know, we're, we're not in this alone. And as I go back to the statement I made about about feeling so comfortable around people here and, and how they, they go through the same battles and the same tribulations. And I know I have company. I know I have people that I can go to for help. I know I have people that will come to me for help. And I think about people in the Bible, examples in the Bible, and I think about the woman at the well. You don't have to turn there for sake of time, but in John 4:28. Josh was talking about this, this this morning. Jesus goes into Samaria and he meets this woman, this uh, Samaritan woman. And if you don't know the background of her, that she's having it rough. I mean, she's going through it all. She's uh, hopping around uh, here and there and, you know, doing everything that could be wrong. And, and Jesus, you know, 
comes to this woman and she's at, she's at Jacob's well. And in verse 28, as, as he speaks to her and he, and he tells her that she can have the, if, if she'll just draw from him and, uh, believes in him that he'll, that she'll never have to thirst again. And in verse 28, the Bible says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. And said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Notice that first sentence. It says, the woman then left her water pot. Now I take the Bible literally. Whenever it needs to be literally taken. And I think God put that in there for a reason. As I said before, this woman is going through everything. She's going through tough times. And she meets Jesus and he... And she believes on him and she gets an, an everlasting life, something that, that no man can give her. And it says she thirsts no more. So in my mind, I'm thinking there's no need for this water pot anymore. So the Bible says that she left her water pot. The reason I think that she left that water pot is so when the next person came, they could get what she got. I think when the next person came, they could draw from that well. I enjoy that. That I know I have people here that, that whenever I'm doing bad, they can tell me, hey, I've been there. I've been to that well. I've been through that tough time. I've gained experience in that. And I made it through. And so can you. I enjoy that. I really do. Then I think about Paul and Silas. In Acts 16, whenever Paul and Silas had, had got captured for Casting a, a demon out of a woman and, and they were said to be doing all kinds of wrong and, and the, the, they didn't agree with what they were doing. They shackled them up and they threw them in jail and I could only imagine if, if I was to be thrown in jail for living for Christ, I would, I would be somewhat bitter. I'd be somewhat angry and I would ask God why. But the Bible says that Paul and Silas started praising and singing hymns. And about that time, and as they were singing, it says the, that the jail started to shake and, and that all the doors were open. And when the, when the guard woke up, he, he grabbed his sword and he was, he, was, he was ready to you know, take care of business. And Paul and Silas, they didn't move. They said, everyone's here. It's, you know, keep calm. Everyone's here. Can I tell you something? It wasn't Paul and Silas breaking out. It was God breaking in. And sometimes we need to let God break in whenever hard times come. Persecution is such a hard, hard message to preach because we think about all the negativity. And, it's, and if there's one thing I don't want to be, it's negative. But it happens in life. It's things that we have to deal with. You say, preacher, you know, that's, that's, that's a long time ago. Can I tell you something? That 150,000 Christians are martyred each year. Every year. I believe the, uh, there's a lesser percentage of that in America. But I'll be honest with you, I think it's because a lot of American Christians... We try to blend in more than we try to stand out. 
I really believe that. And it's about time we take a stand for God. I don't think the city of Fairdale is going to be changed by people that blend in. I've noticed in the last couple of months, it seems like every Sunday someone news here. Josh goes to the high schools and talks to people. Isaac's telling people all the way over at Manual. Every time I talk to someone at Pickpack or the gas station, I try to tell them where I go to church. Every time I'm at the basketball court, I try to witness to the young people. But if I was to not do that, and if Josh was to say, well, the school has no hope, I'm just going to stay here, there would be no change. And at times, I'm sure Josh can tell you, or, or Isaac can tell you, that it, it, it's kind of hard to, to break through and tell people about God. It's, it's kind of hard to take a stand because you don't want to be persecuted. But it's something that needs to be done. I've seen a, a quote today that Jim Elliott had said, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that spoke so much to me because there's so many things in life that we would we'd rather have at this moment. And I, I do the same thing. I, I, I want I want more and more and more of of everything. I want more money. I want you know a better job and and I thank God for the things I do have, but I keep telling myself, you know, why? Why don't I have more? But as Jim, as Jim Elliott said, he cannot keep those things. But he's so glad for the things he cannot lose. And I thank God for the things he gives me that I, I cannot lose. I thank God for the things that he's given me in life that I know no matter what happens that that I always have them. As I read in the Bible and I, I see when Saul was going down Damascus Road, uh, I always go back to that verse and I think about myself and I think about the road I take in life. And the Bible says that God came to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I try to live my day every li- my my life every day, so that God won't have to say, "Clay, Clay, why do you persecute me?" See, sometimes we persecute God. Sometimes we get riled up in sin and and things that we know we shouldn't be doing, and we think that it'll be okay because God forgives. But but every time we do that, we're persecuting Christ. Every time we do something that he doesn't want us to do, that we're persecuting his name. And I don't want to be that person. I want to close with this. There's a, there's a story about a little boy. And this little boy had got his first comic book. And he's, he's reading this comic book and he's, He's in his room and his mom's in the kitchen. He's reading this comic book and he starts coming in there every, every 10, 15 seconds and he's like, Mom, Mom, you wouldn't believe this. The good guy's losing. He just, he, 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 he can't, he can't beat the bad guy. She's like, I know, honey. Just go back in there and read it. 
He goes back in there and he starts reading. He comes back and he said, Mom, Mom, you wouldn't believe this, but the good guy's still losing. The good guy, he has no chance, Mom. He, the bad guy just keeps winning. He said, I, she said, I know, honey. Just go back in there and finish your comic book. Let me know how it goes. He comes back in there about ten minutes later. He said, Mom, you wouldn't believe what happened. He said, I was reading this book. And the whole time it seemed like the bad guy was winning. The whole time it seemed like there was no chance for the superhero to come through. There was no chance for him to end up on top. He said, Mom, but when I got to the last chapter, the good guy won. He said, Preacher, what's that have to do with me? I started really getting into my Bible when I was about 13. I read it here and there, and I, I, I'll tell you something. I, as I read and I read and I see the persecution in the Bible, I, it seems like the bad guy's winning the whole time. It seems like no matter what we do in life, it seems like the bad guy's always winning. It seems like there's no hope. But I want to tell you something tonight. I've read the last chapter, and the good guy wins. The Bible says in the last verse of the last chapter of Revelation, the Bible says, Surely... I come quickly. Can I tell you something tonight? If, if, if God wasn't coming back, we'd have no hope. But the Bible says, surely I come quickly. I thank God that he's coming back. I appreciate your time. I, I'd ask you that you continue to pray for me as I, as I grow in my Christianity. And, and I enjoy you all uh, coming and hearing me preach. I, I, I thank you for the hospitality you've given me. And, uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. And Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity you've given me, Lord, to preach your word, Father. And as we look at persecution, Lord, and it, it's, it's a tough subject, Lord, to, to preach upon, Father. And I, I ask you that you would hopefully plant a seed, Lord, through my, through my preaching through your word, Lord, that, that someone may get something from that, Lord, that they may know that no matter what life brings them, Lord, no matter what Toils and snares may come upon them, Lord, that they have hope in you. Lord, I ask you, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you tonight, Lord, as their personal Lord and Savior, and doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I'd ask you that you convict their hearts, Lord, that they may come to know you before it's eternally too late. I ask you to bless the rest of the service, Lord, that touch the lives of the people, Lord, and that you would touch our hearts to touch this city, Father. We thank you and Praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.